0: Matthew Corey What's happening
1: brother? <laughs> uh not a lot in my neck of the woods pal. It's a very covid filled area and I don't know what it's like over there. I love the beautiful um uh design you got there in the background there with Thanks, the happened uh, and everything. That's, is, any, is that designed anything in particular or Um it this
0: is actually this is the the original not I don't know about the original. This is one of the original logos for the podcast so it was on on like iTunes and Spreaker and all that stuff when you saw the, the the graphic for the podcast it was always this uh and I recently changed it. I recently updated it, but uh then uh then uh my 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 best friend who did commentary on the Wicked Hanmon show, Rick Rick Feinberg. Rick oh, Connor, okay yeah, yeah. uh he got me this printed on a tapestry for my birthday like a couple years ago. So it's the background of my the background of my videos now. Fantastic. The tie-dye tie goes really well with the design in the background. Thanks, man. Thanks. Be visually, visually appealing in these videos, you know. <sighs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, so you reached out to me in, in finding a, a very obscure indie promotion from 13 years ago. And you said, what can you tell me about this? And I said, I could probably tell you more than you care to even know. Oh, good. But uh, I said, let's, you know, let's we'll go over the whole thing. If you And the fact that you brought notes, I'm down for it. So I said, let's make this into an episode of my podcast, Evolving with Corey Castle. And we'll do a whole, like, Wicked Hanuman review. And I'm going to be honest, straight up front, um, you're going to get a lot of honesty from me. But this is going to wind up being that I haven't really recently watched the show back. But I started to watch my match from that show today. And I have to say, I was embarrassed and I turned it off. I did not like it. And I have to say, I should have changed my name. (laughs) I should have done something else. I was only five years in. Not very good. It was very, very bad, and uh, hold that performance up against any performance nowadays of mine, and it would be completely different, but cripes, that was bad. And I remember, considering that I'm talking to Botchamania guy, I am the table, there was some pretty bad non-table breaks on this show.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. At one point, Derek Sabato on commentary does say, wow, these, com- these tables come from Japan. So <laughs> it's nice. It'll be very interesting to listen to how you, uh, you racked to your own self from years and years ago now uh, right. and how you were back then. Because, yeah, it's interesting you going, oh, I was terrible back then. But at the same time, I don't think I could look at my stuff. I did like, when I was five years into it either. But at the same time, yeah, you are technically a rookie at that point, right? right. Obviously, you yeah. know, you're on shows, you're on CCW team, and when Niles Young and everything
0: else, right. you know,
1: I guess you are still doing it as you go, and you're faking it until you make it, as they say.
0: And and at the time, I have to say, and and, and I watched it back with my trainers, um, Eddie Valentine and John Dahmer, VD, yeah. they trained me, and they were like, "Wow, well, yeah, well, all we can say is, you were not prepared for that match. <laughs> but I have, I have to say, uh, okay. So at the time, this is 2007, right? It is. So yes. at the time, CZW had forced me out, meaning John Zandig oh. did not, John Zandig uh, pulled me aside at a show and he screamed in front of me. He screamed at me in front of everybody. And he said, "You are the goofiest fucking asshole I've ever met in my entire life." I was not picking up the business very well, but then not being supported in the fact that, like, this is a learning process. It's not something you just pick it up. But yeah, I was I was still pretty new and pretty. My confidence was really bad. I was not a I was not a very, uh, not a very athletic boy. I did not. um, I was a. I wore big thick glasses and was not an athlete in school like and there's very clearly something that it took a really long time for me to pick up so uh, i i have to say that to a lot of guys who are younger than me that come come along i'm like wow man you're way further along than i was this far into the business
1: right because i mean that's where i know you from I mean, I think we've spoken a few times on Twitter and it's very weird to me, by the way. I'll get this out of the way because you've obviously been very polite because you're the professional podcaster. I'm just a hack behind a, a laptop. Um, it is weird to me in a cool way that nowadays uh, I have managed to speak to a bunch of people who are new who are watched growing up from mm-hmm. CZW, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was right. a kid who was a CZW fan. I was like, yeah, CZW, fuck you. Play, play in the law once again, you know. Mm-hmm. And all this, even when people go and, have you tried watching PWG, Ring of Honor? I'm like, lay in the law once again. You know, and I, I was yeah. that kid. Um, it took a while uh for me to realize, oh, it's um, it's got off the rails a bit here. Because in fairness, there's some really good bits of CZW, really good runs that I'll defend. And there's periods when I go, oh, this is just shit. Uh, but I think it also helped that I was part of the CZW fans, Zandig fans thing at that point. So I think if you're a wrestling <laughs> fan, I'm getting to a point, don't worry. Uh If you... um <laughs> I can see your hands. I'm like, no, uh-huh. you, I'm more motivated to be into a product if our people to discuss and talk about it. So that's right. why I was in it for so long.
0: Yeah. The, the CCW fans message board was a whole other community. Like that was a whole other, that took a life of its own at the time. And I think I was reading that mixed with me reading like DOI message boards and like, and kind of being like a, kind of being like a big wrestling nerd. And then being like, oh, I'm one of the guys. I'm one of the guys. Cause I was because I had like an incredibly large amount of unearned confidence. Arrogance. I don't even want to say it's it's confidence because I wasn't confident. I was just I just had an ego. And it was my ego because like I was in CCW and that was a place to be. Like CZW was for my era like the the next the next placeholder for what ECW was so I thought well I'm breaking into the company and I'm like this is where I start so um seven years before the Wicked Hanuman show uh, I started training at CCW I was 15 years old you know what I mean so I it was like I did this place wasn't a huge place yet and then it then I got to be with it while it became a bigger thing and then I made my debut and then I was on TV. So when I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm part of the thing that's lighting the world on fire, by proxy, I'm lighting the world on fire. However, I was not a contributing factor <laughs> contributing factor to the world being set ablaze.
1: Right, I mean, I think that's one thing I could say about you from the run, and again, I'm not having an encyclopedic knowledge of everything, every match that you had
0: during that no, run. But I, I there mean, were, you know what? Were those people? I'm to- a little disappointed that you don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm kidding no, well, I would be disappointed if you did I would be very disappointed I'd say, You
1: need a better life Thank god you had a sense of humour It's been an awkward fucking hour and a bit But uh, yeah, it, it, there was a, that group of people That um, John Dahmer, as you said, of VD Would bring in And more or less, uh, see, you, Jude uh, Co- uh, you know, Corey Castle, Niles Young uh, Mary Derek Frazier and stuff like that And right. Dahmer would bring in And he had these matches where he beat the fuck out of you right? And that seemed to be the way that you know you guys would get some in-ring training And everything else like that and those right. die-hard Philly mutants would be like yeah! But mm. the thing I got from you as well as uh, Now I young I think it worked well that you guys Got teamed up you weren't necessarily You know experienced or anything else like that But you did seem to have a shitload of confidence
0: <laughs> Right yeah I, it was It was it was a show you know what I mean It was a show I I, I can't speak for Jeff I don't I don't know for Sure because he might have had more But, um, I, I just, uh, I just was faking it. You know what I mean? I was not a very confident boy. And that took, I think a lot of that came from Eddie too, from Eddie Valentine was like when he was, when he was training us, he was saying like, you know why you're here? And this is something I tell the young kids all the time when I'm trying to walk them through like seminars or training with them. And I'm like, the reason you're here is because you have a calling to this business. Not a lot of these other people who are in? Who are around this business or follow it, know what it's like to get in this ring, to touch these mats, to touch these ropes. You're part of a very exclusive elite group of people. Like now you're exclusive. We're exclusively inside the business. And the reason we're here is because we believe we belong here. So act accordingly. Act like you actually believe that you belong here. And like it took me a while to hear that the correct way. So like when you said it, the confidence, sure, the confidence probably came from that because especially with Eddie or Dahmer and, and I mean, to, to an extent, a lot of other people who are around, I can't just say Eddie or Dahmer, but like if you weren't acting accordingly, you'd get hurt for it. You know what I mean? Like you'd get, you'd get like pointed in the right direction. And, and it's, it's cool to see that that wasn't abuse. Those people, those men, are my friends. Like now, as an adult and as a man, I realized those were role models for me, and taught me the 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 structure of how to be. All right, So <laughs> We'll go on to the go on to your notes, Matthew. I want to I want to uh, see what. Oh, <laughs> <I wanna, laughs> it's cool, see what what you wrote. Dude, Don't worry
1: about it. It's, it's you know it's like jazz. will just go as we flow. I mean, it's it's right. two guys talk who've never talked before. So it's right, like- yeah, yeah. You know, we're not going to be like fucking Brian Alvarez. But what I've got for Wicked Hanuman, March 24th, 2007, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, Wicked Hanuman is the name of the show. Now, you said before that you were good friends with the person who ran this. So was that Rick Feinberg running it? or No, 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 no. no oh, okay, just make it other. No, no. You're, you no, have many was... good friends.
0: Yes, uh, dude. So the guy that ran it was the guy... I'm The guy, I, I actually work with him now um, in HVAC. And at the time, we were working HVAC as well, like during the day. And uh, we had started years before that, 1998. 1998, uh, Scott had found an article in the newspaper in which he said, uh, there, is a, there is a wrestling school that's like, five minutes down the road from us training kids our age okay it wasn't a real wrestling school it was just some guys who were like like rejects from the monster factory who built their own ring in like an auto parts garage and they were like charging kids money to go there every month so while we'd go there they'd like be drunk or high or whatever and then like they would Kind like they would kind of let us beat the shit out of each other, and then every once in a while they'd come in and beat the shit out of us, but never actually taught us a thing. So except for like they taught us like how to hit the ropes, how to take back bumps, maybe maybe flip bumps. Everything else was just like watch wrestling and then show up here and do what you saw on TV. And this was like the height of the Attitude Era. This is '98. This is like. Austin 316 DX NWO all like the coolest times in wrestling to be a fan and then you're like wow I'm in the business that I love watching so um I was there I was there for I was there for like a year maybe maybe a year and the guy the guy like hit my friend with a kendo stick when my friend Expressly said, don't f and hit me with that stick. And he hit him. And outside the 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 body body parts place, the the auto body place, well, cr- right across the street was a Catholic high school. And in the Catholic high school was there was a softball game going on at the time. So my friend went outside and went across the street and kicked the air conditioner unit of the. Of the, uh, the Catholic school. Uh, the priests heard it. Uh, a bunch of the parents heard it. Police showed up. And kicked us out. Uh, like, like, like. They like, shut the place down. They shut the place down. But like, they kept going. They, they kept running. However, me and my friends weren't allowed in anymore. So that was a couple months. Had, a couple months had passed. And then it was my birthday. It was my birthday, and my friend's mom was doing drugs and having sex with the guy who started the place. So they let us back in for my 15th birthday. I got to go back. <laughs> so so uh, a couple months later, the place, like, officially closes down. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys I met there, uh, Rick Feinberg, was training at CZW, uh, Rick Feinberg, a.k.a. Rick Connor, <laughs> my best friend, he he was training at, at that school, and then he moved over to the CZW school. And another guy who I met there was Discount Dewey Donovan, which oh, yeah, yeah. he manages Nick Gage now. He's still, still. Dewey was hitting, was, Dewey and I kept going back and forth all the time. Like, we never stopped talking, and he was like, Look, come to, come to CCW. That's where we're at. That's where Rick is. So I started coming. Confession. Rick did not like me at all. <laughs> so it took a while to get him to kind of like me. And then I started riding with him. And we started going to the school together all the time. We became real close friends. I was the best man at his wedding. <laughs> oh, but, that's nice. But that's beside the point. <laughs> it took a while. But, uh, then, then I started, then, then the CZW school, I was going there, uh, and I met Niles, Jeff. During, we, we were a tag team, we were good friends, hanging out and buddies all the time, but like, the Zandog didn't like me very much. Captain, Captain Jesus did not like me very much. Uh, so, so, uh, so Zandig, uh. Zandig thought it was funny about like our real lives. So, in our real lives, my first girlfriend I ever had, and I I brought this up. uh, Niles has been on my show. I've been on his show. We've talked about this. Not a thing. But at the time, my first girlfriend broke up with me so that she could date Niles. John Zandig was busting my balls for it and was like, You were a fucking cuck loser. And (laughs) <laughs> and, and pushed Niles and took me off shows completely so I was like oh well I'm left without like, a, like a, a place to do I couldn't even train at the school anymore so obviously if you look at me in that 2007 match I was not in shape I was not in ring shape I wasn't training that much I was only working shows for Rock and Rebel who is the Philadelphia Indies version of Chris Benoit these days yeah. <laughs> so I was only working I was working uh and I was working um do you know Joe Panzerino? Uh, uh no Dapper, Johnny Falco. Did you ever see Cards Card Subject to Change? That Carney ass promoter in that documentary that like No. Uh, okay. Well <laughs> Sorry. Carney Carney doc he just he just had me come in and put over ticket sellers, so I got to right. go and wrestle and put over ticket sellers. That's where like Jeff Cannonball came from, if you know Jeff Cannonball. I do know Jeff Cannonball. Okay, Jeff Cannonball came from there, yes. Great. But that's where Joey Janela came from. That's where. Oh, okay. That's where I met Joey Janela when he was like sixteen or something. Like we're this is way back, but um, uh, where was I going? Um. So yeah. So I thought like when, when, when Scott and I were talking about like wrestling all the time, every day at work, he was, Scott was like, what if we, what if we started a wrestling promotion? And I was like, I don't don't know if I, I don't know if I think I can do that. I don't, I, I don't know if that's something I want anything to do with. And he's like, here's the deal. I'll come up with all the money. I'll worry about the money stuff. And you just do like helping me get some of the talent and, and like help me write some of the shows, shows with a plural. Cause that was supposed to be just the first one. (laughs) So, uh, so I agreed, I agreed. And uh, we, you know, I wasn't in the business long enough to have any kind of savvy, you know what I mean? I didn't I wasn't smart enough. So like if Scott would be like, Hey, talk get me this guy's information, and I'd get him that guy's information, and he'd call him and the guy would be like, I want this much, and the guy was, and Scott was like, Okay. And he would just agree to the amount that the Yeah. You know, so it was like promising out all this money, not having any advanced ticket sales. Is the least smart move you can do when it comes to wrestling. And that comes with uh being around long enough. And I wasn't around long enough to learn that yet. And uh <clears throat> the uh yeah, it was the the main the best part of it, the the thing that shines out the very most for me. Derek Sabato sucked on commentary. I
1: have to say that. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry. I I wrote that down several
0: times. Oh, my God. That was terrible. (laughs) It was so, so bad. So bad. And I have to say, like, even going back and thinking about some of this stuff, like, it takes me right back to the nervousness that I had in those weeks leading up to it. I was so nervous. So during that match, like, I sucked and I was nervous. Like, Matt Bomboy and I had only met, like, two weeks before that but i knew this guy deserved to be more highlighted in in the business like this guy was so good and i couldn't believe that enough people didn't know who he was and i was like you know what i really got to i really got to like help put this guy on the map looking back on it now i wish that i would have just like put him over i wish that i would have left that match putting him over like the fact that i was still stuck in my head of like Oh, you know, this is going to be my next avenue. This is going to be I'm I'm a star and I deserve something. I wasn't a star. I didn't deserve shit. I should have just put Matt Boboy over right from the start. Absolutely. But what came out of it was the fact that Matt Boboy and I became such close friends. We we from there like we're on shows together almost every single week. We would not just I mean only every once in a while did we ever actually wrestle each other, but we became a tag team. We were called TNE, Team New Era, and we we were winning tag belts everywhere. Like, we were just having a good time, and we were getting paid well, and like the most money I've made in the business, I've never make any money in this business still. Still, it's very much a pay-to-play business, and I, it was just like I was having a lot of fun. Get, got getting a whole lot of really good news stories with my friend Matt Bomboy and and uh some some artist some artist uh painted us into this like where's waldo thing did you see that it's called wrestling mishmash oh a while ago yeah All right. Re- Oh, you're on that? Oh, yeah. Sweet. They put they put me and Bobbley in it. We're like the there's like no other indie guys. There's like Andre oh, wow. the Giant and Hulk Hogan and like us. I have no idea why us. I have no idea why us. But I absolutely I I, I framed it. I have it on the wall in my in my hallway.
1: It's the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know you guys are on. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be able to pick you guys out on there. So well, no. well done, man. But no. um, no, oh, we, so we we had the soul masks on. Oh, there you go. So Obviously, so, it's great to talk and go on to the matches. And I think when we break it down, I'll just be like Conrad Thompson based on this show. Right. You could be oh. Bischoff or Pritchard or whoever, whichever 80s uh, or 90s wrestling guy that you want to be. Sure. Before we move on to the matches itself and how you're feeling about that, a question that a lot of people want to know, and I think only you can answer this question, why Wicked Hanuman? I fucking Sorry to say again. <laughs>
0: Wicked Hanuman is a name. Um. Uh, well, I think and and Scott and I recently had this conversation we were talking about, I Scott was some you know in in Hinduism Hanuman is this this god and uh, I, and I said I thought it was because like his girlfriend at the time was like really into like Wizard of Oz and Wicked so I was like oh why don't we just add wicked in there so it's not just Hanuman wrestling and and I think I thought he did that, but he said that I did that recently. I wouldn't have known until we just had that conversation. <laughs> but it, I don't know. I don't know why. Wick, I don't know why Hanuman, but I know that Wicked had something to do with like, we're gonna make, Wicked cool, man, like something sort of. I have no idea, but it's stupid and it sucks. And I'm embarrassed about it
1: because I was like, oh, um, OK, fair enough. Then I thought there was gonna be some deep meaning behind the name. Like, yeah, man, we thought it was after a Hindu god yeah it well yeah of course it's
0: it's the it's uh scott's wife now is uh, raised hindu um right, i right. i he didn't even know her at that point he didn't even know her yet at that point, so it had, it had nothing to do with that, but it was something like i i just i don't know i do you know what it was like there was a I, it it was a it was a cool idea the the idea of like there was, uh, there was more depth to it somewhere, but it got lost as the time has trickled by. Right.
1: Right. I get you. It trickled it down. seemed like a good idea at the time. And now oh, yeah. years later, you're like, what was that about? Yeah. <laughs> cause before I remember like Googling this years ago, cause I used to read all the results on Zandig fans and they would talk about all the shows going because a very well populated time for, Wrestling at the arena at this point With CZW running every month, Jakara running every few months. that go between the little uh, rec center
0: and then do big
1: shows. At PWU, yeah, P-
0: unplugged.
1: That's right, so, and I think to that they're three, and that's yeah. regular. That, so that's
0: so. why. That's why. Like when we when we first when we first had the idea of all these ideas, mm. I said not at the arena. The arena is too congested. There's too much at the arena. Let's not do the arena. We can draw anywhere else but the arena. And uh, didn't want to listen to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, I guess I couldn't be that idea guy. <laughs>
1: but I mean, I guess if you're doing this, there's a lot of enthusiasm I can see here with you guys trying to do this and, you know, Naming a show what you want to do and uh, whatever you want to name it after, even if it's a good idea or not, and want to run the arena just because you can. It's cool, honestly, hearing about, yeah, obviously there's a lot of issues with the shows, but just, the, you know, the, the basic attitude of, fuck it, let's just do it. But right. you know, sometimes it's missing. When you when you're young and you like don't care about the repercussions, it's great, man. I'm 32 now, so it's like there's no way I'd run a wrestling show anywhere. So I'm like, nah, it won't work.
0: But when you're young, you're like, yeah, just <laughs> envisioned, right. you know hordes of people going Hanuman,
1: Hanuman. Uh, um, that might
0: have, that might have been the idea. We wanted people to chant that because of the syllables, the amount of syllables, right. it's very chantable.
1: Right. All all the Italians back in the day used to come and watch uh, Bruno at the garden. You know, and right. hope that we do You're hoping for all these Hindus to show up in Philadelphia and oh yeah, we get it, you know. <laughs> so we have around hundred and fifty people here at the arena. Uh, it looks and sounds it sadly. But before the show, they aired Nick Mondo's movie. The uh he's done a few. So this is still Fighting there. the Still Life. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it says it was aired there, I remember that I'm showing clips of this um on one of his first documentaries about him, he's done a lot bunch of them. This is the one with Ken Anderson in it right right So when it says it aired What was this aired on the wall or Like projector uh, you know or?
0: The arena had like Screens like uh like titan Oh okay and it would it showed Up on a few of them there were they were all Over the building oh uh, right. But I I'd say it was cool because It was cool because no One else had the idea to do that and it was like bringing Mondo back to Philly, like back. He he start. He was in CCW, but like he wasn't. It it was sort of like um, and that that all came through. Um, I forget why exactly Mondo was a part part of it, but it was. Um, he stayed at my house. Like he he came to Philly and he stayed at my house. Uh, the the funny part about it was like I was. I have to always mention this. At CCW. CZ, I was in high school when I was training at CCW, Like, fake TV and, like, my training. All this, like, all the, the, like, the best era of CZW was me being a high school kid watching it all. So, like, I kind of marked out for everybody. And, like, it was funny because, like, I have a funny story about, like, Mondo was stayed at my house that weekend and he was like i had a I had a couch in my room my please remember i'm 20 some 23 24 at the time and i had a i had a a poster behind my couch from pirates of the caribbean and, and it had uh orlando bloom on it it was you know had everybody on it but he pointed at Orlando Bloom, and he was like, "He was like, every time I see him, I think of you. Every time, because I look, <laughs> I look like Orlando Bloom."
1: I was gonna say, "Yeah, back then with the, yeah. the locks and everything, absolutely."
0: And and, uh, and I was like, Mondo thinks of me." <laughs> In my head, I was like, "Oh, you think of me every time you see this guy?" Like I like marked out a little bit. <laughs> oh, you think of me? That's nice.
1: Oh, That's great. <laughs> But or if he gets into films and ends up casting Orlando Bloom, and he's like, "Wow, what what inspired you to put me in your film, Nick Mondo?" He's like, "Oh, no reason."
0: <laughs> he he casts a film of his life, and he the only one who's in it who is actually in films now who acts he doesn't cast he just puts Orlando Bloom in there instead. All
1: right, in this scene, you do nothing. Ah, <laughs> oh, great, easy payday. <laughs> so. It's wicked, Hanuman. We're at the arena. 150 people. I'm not gonna lie though. There's been plenty of times I've seen the arena looking like this before. So it's not as if it's the, the only company ever to run the arena and get 150 people. Three PW certainly uh, oh, yeah. lost their right ass a bunch of times there. So, wow. uh, Frank Talent is at ringside? I think he was. He had to be because of the Philly uh, Athletic Commission. Ooh. And uh, Chad Shaft <laughs> is timekeeping. And I have him uh, on Facebook. And again, I'm probably marked out the same way that you marked out having Nick Mondo sleep on your couch because right. of that. Because, again, seen him all the time on yeah. the, all these DVDs. And right. I asked Chad Shaft, why are you timekeeping? And he says, well, he got the arena. Frank Talon asked him to, and he said yes.
0: <laughs> That's the reason well, why he's timekeeping. Well, well Dennis Shock was there. Dennis Shock was our ring announcer. And mm-hmm. that was that – was, he, he hadn't been at the arena – for years, like he wasn't, he was oh, at all, right. Yeah, the the yes, CCW right. ring announcer back when I, back when I started, even before I started, like I was actually, I was actually the the guy who ran around for Dennis Shock, who would get everyone's uh, hometown and weights and things they wanted to say in their entrance, and I'd get that to Dennis Shock before the shows to start. as part of part of my paying dues process. I would do that, and I. Tons of stories from that, but that was that was me and Shock always got along really well. And I, I don't remember if I had reached out to him to do the show or if like Eddie had val- Eddie Valentine had reached out to him. But a lot of it I think had a lot to do with like I I re- really really close friends with Eddie Valentine. And so much more at that time because like, you know, he had he had just served three years in prison. And while he was gone Nobody was talking to him. And he, he wrote two letters. He wrote two letters out from prison, where one was to me and one was to Ian Knox, who you see in the show teaming with Test as the Irish string team, which we'll get into that. We'll get into uh, we'll that. Get, whenever, don't worry. We'll get to when that. When you get there. But uh, he, he sent both of those letters to Ian. And said, give one of these to James, a.k.a. Corey Castle. And he didn't. <laughs> but in the letter, he talked about he talked about how, how he, he was no longer able to live in, in the closet. So he came out in the letter. In the, in the, in the trickle-down-the-lane, whisper-down-the-lane, broken-telephone sort of way, everybody in the locker room back then was just going like, oh my God, Eddie's so gay. Oh my God, Eddie's... G-. Like, it was a homophobic time. People were not receiving it well. Um, but I knew, I knew that he was a good person. I knew that I loved him. I was grateful for him. And it didn't even matter. It didn't, like, I, I've come from a very open and accepting, like, my family, I'm, <laughs> my family growing up, I was the only one who was straight, <laughs> the only openly straight member of my family. So so I I didn't care at all. So we would talk all the time. We talk like every day. And when he told me that when he got out of prison. Uh, you know, while he was in prison, Chris Cash had passed away, which Chris Cash, Chris Cash was his roommate. Him and Chris Cash were very close friends. And he wanted to pay some tribute to Cash. And he like, reached out uh, on the CZW News, CZWWrestling.com, whatever that, that uh, email address was. And the person said that John Zandig said that Chris Cash wouldn't want you there. Because you're a homosexual. So I was like, we got to do as much of like, that's why I wanted GQ in the audience. That's why I wanted GQ there at the show. That's why I wanted to do stuff with GQ. I wanted to make this my own way of paying tribute to Chris cash, which I couldn't do. I wasn't allowed because I was pushed out of the company and Eddie Valentine was pushed out of the company. So I thought this was going to be our like kind of platform because Chris Cash, I and I, I try to I try to say this as often as possible. Chris Cash really looked out for me. Like I I started this school like six months before him, and he came. He he started only a couple. He was such a natural. He picked it up so quick, especially that CZW style. He picked it up he was like he came from backyard wrestling so he, he kind of like got it a little bit more like the the death matchy sort of stuff and and he was like he came up to me and he's like look man for some reason John Zanning doesn't like you and I don't know what it is but you know what you're doing in there let's go show him so he like he like made it his focus to like make sure i gotten better you know what i mean make sure he kept like having matches with me down in practice, so that Zandig would see it, and and then you know then September two thousand two, I got on the shows, and you know I didn't really get a I didn't really get to have many matches with Cash, on shows, but like, you know I I wanted to pay tribute to him in some way.
1: <clears throat> Thank you for all that information. I had no idea about that, and yeah, Eddie Valentine is someone. It's you know. We were saying before about the comment about rock and rebel, sometimes when you find out just that it's it's hard to not think about anything else. And you go, Oh yeah, the Valentine. Yeah, that whole uh going to prison for armed robbery for three years thing. And yeah, it comes up and stuff. But and then again it is nice to see that he wanted to do that for Chris Cash because he meant had such a positive impression on everybody. It's one of these people when he passed there aren't many stories negative about Chris Cash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all positive when he gets brought up. Um and it's nice that he wanted to pay tribute that way. Right. And it's a shame that Zandig is the way he is, but my way of consolidating as a wrestling fan that wrestlers aren't idols or anything or people to go, oh, I, I like that guy's match and nothing else about him. It's right. the fact that they're wrestlers. You'd have to be a bit weird or stupid or odd to want to do this in the first place. Yeah. Especially a man like John Zandig who jumps off roofs. So
0: it, it, it all comes from a place of you're damaged. Like I, right. I, and I think the real core of most wrestlers is damaged mixed with like white trash upbringing. <laughs> There's a good bit in Nick Mondo's uh,
1: more recent documentary where the start of it, it's him and Wife Beater backstage. And Nick uh, Mondo says, like, and Wife Beater's, you know, covered in you know, all the blue. You can go, you remember all the Wife Beater matches. Yeah, yeah. And he says something like, so why do you do this? And uh, apparently Wife Beater without missing a beat just goes, Rough childhood. You? And like that's where the documentary comes from. And Mono's was like, yeah, why am I doing this? And he talks <laughs> about a lot of Catholic guilt and all this. But like my wife Peter was just like, oh yeah, you know, rotten childhood, <laughs> eat some crisps. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you for all the information. Um, segwaying that into the first match of Wicked Hanuman, and I like you said that it just play out like no, no, I'm really open minded, mate. You're at a show named after a Hindu god for 150 people. We get it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are Who's set up the show But Mr. Curry Castle himself With his Calvin Klein homage shirt And you're saying beforehand Again, these are the things I noticed Being a sad wrestling person But you're saying that you weren't necessarily As in shape as you were a few years ago Because you weren't working as much The fact that you're wearing a shirt Is that sign, like, ah, oh, okay yeah. yeah, yeah I was not um, confident That's fine, man uh, yeah. Former wrestler GQ is here at ringside Says Derek Sabato. That's nice It's nice almost that they are setting up That there is going to be an angle here Or something like Hey, GQ's here and mm-hmm. um, Turk Sabato, of course, takes a gigantic shit all over it by going, Oh, GQ retired. No one noticed. You know, I'm like, Hey, there you go, Derek. That's the job of the ring announcer, the commentator, to really and build
0: up the, put the, up the talent. Put over the talent. That's like, so really selling this. <laughs> and then, like, and then he shit all over Matt Bomboy. He was like, Oh, Bomboy's whole family's here.
1: I was about to say, Yeah, my boy's here. Spoto doesn't want to offend him due to the 14 family members he's brought to ringside. So, was this true? Because there seemed about a lot of support for Bomboy. Yeah,
0: dude. He had never wrestled wrestled at the arena before. And I I was very much like, I want the world to also see and bite the bait that is Matt Bomboy. I wanted the arena to discover how good of a worker he was. Like I I, I mean, I probably should have put him over. Honestly, the biggest part of it is like, I I didn't I didn't I didn't do any covers. I didn't do a lot of crowd work. I didn't do a lot of selling. I didn't. There wasn't a lot of psychology in it. I. It was to me. I am uh, when I'm watching that back, the most embarrassed of that as a performer than anything I've ever done. That's fair enough. I'll say this. I'm quite uh, numb to a lot of wrestling
1: at this period because you say all this and you are right. In a certain way. Yeah, there wasn't any crowd work. Mm-hmm. There was so little pinfalls that Derek Sabato again rides the wrestlers for not doing pinfalls over and over right. again. But at the same time, this was par for the course in 07. Right. It yeah, wasn't right. always gonna be like the four-way batch later on in the evening. It's it's a lot of this a lot of the stuff's like this. And to give yourself some credit, I want to be, you know, I'll pile on, but I, no, no, sorry, I won't pile on. I'll obviously insult and grab you. But if you you know if you're saying that, I'm gonna go, yeah, you suck. To give you some credit though. The crowd is into it. The the fifteen or sixteen or so wrestling fans is brought for the Noah's Ark of Bomboy fans, they're into him. They're cheering and they are booing right. you just to spite yeah. you. Uh they're cheering when Bomboy ripped your shirt.
0: And- Dude. If you watch that, his hand was filled with my hair. He ripped all my hair out while he ripped the shirt. Oh. If, so if you watch that back, you just watch him like rip all my hair out. And he's like, ah, and he's wiping his hands because they're filled with my hair. He just ripped all my hair out. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, very they- that. Uh suplexes send Castle
1: outside where he connects where Bomboy connects with a smooth dive, called by Castle and Half the Guardrail. Uh Bomboy looks like I've written down here, imagine what a two thousand seven MMA guy looks like. He's got the tat, <laughs> he's got the shorts and everything. And it's you know, right. He's missing a, a tap out t shirt and then the look is complete. He um, he
0: totally was an MMA guy, honestly. Right, before right. before wrestling. He was in MMA trained by uh Hoyce Gracie. Like he oh, oh, okay, was an MMA like legit MMA dude. And he could F you up if he wants to.
1: I'll take your word for it.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> not you be specifically,
1: <laughs> just everybody. Anybody. I'll probably deserve it. Bomboy Super Kicks Castle, and that's good enough for the short-lived SMV Smart Video live replay that they stopped doing. Apparently, Corner Zandic fans saying, No, stop doing that. Shit. Save the replays for after the match. Bombay, uh, <laughs> Bomboy hits a chair salt. Sabato so continues to focus on the negatives. And Bomboy goes through the chair in the corner, generating holy shit chance. It's a good sign for the first match of the night. Mm-hmm. Castle tries to kill Bomboy by shiving his head in between a char, a char, a chair, and ramming it into the ring post. So you're trying to pilmonize Bomboy in the opening match. It's a good spot. And then castle opening, P- not
0: not for the opening match. There sure there for sure should never be. Outside stuff, uh, chairs stuff, dives, first match, absolutely never. It's against the the etiquette of the wrestlers. And and you know, test really was pissed off at us. Oh, uh, no doubt. And, and so was, <laughs> so was Low-Key. They were both very mad at us. That doesn't sound like Low-Key.
1: Uh, <laughs> and then you pick up the bits of Bombay that are still floating. Pin him after the muscle buster. I think I've written it down here. I've actually wrote it down. The Castle Moat. But that can't be right. What
0: was the name of this finishing move? Blundar? I, I didn't want to call it that. Rick kept calling it the Castle Blundar. I guess it was a reference to some cartoon or something. I, don't, I didn't even know. Oh, I was hoping you would know. But it was a bad move. It wasn't a good move. I didn't like it. I, I'm i embarrassed that, that that was the move, but that's what got used. It was terrible.
1: That's fair enough. It was terrible, but it was good enough for the win and polite applause for so both these guys because, again, a bomb boy's over and they're showing you respect because you beat bomb boy. Uh, bomb boy was stopped working in 2013, according to cagematch.net. So, mm. uh, obviously you would team up later on as to a new era. Do you know what he's doing
0: now or uh he's he's a runner, man. He's uh he's he's a marathon runner. He's a dad. He's he's married. He's got two kids. Uh he's 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 having a house built. Like he's he's over in real life. <laughs> he's over in real life. He does not need to put on oil and and uh and put on short tights to try to impress anybody. He doesn't need anyone's validation. He knows how over he is. Boy, he's got that
1: self-confidence and self-love. Oh, what a loser Well, wow. Who can relate to that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was a that was a he had a fight in the locker room against uh, Big Vito. Like they had a oh, they okay. had a screaming match in the in the locker room uh where Big Vito. Uh, Big Vito was like he's like if if Shawn Michaels was here right now, what do you think he'd say to you when he saw what you just did out there? He'd be like he would probably be like, "What the fuck am I doing in some high school in Vineland, New Jersey? I rest- <laughs> I'm Mr. WrestleMania." <laughs>
1: Okay, that, 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 that's, that's worth it there I mean, just the, that reply What do you say after that?
0: Right No, I think, he wouldn't He wouldn't say that I think Vito took his jacket <laughs> off I think Vito took his jacket off Like he was going to start some shit And then I was like Oh, dude, am I about to beat up Big Vito in the locker room? This was like This was like This was like Saturday I had a show on Sunday Or, I'm sorry I had This was Friday I had a show on Saturday uh, on Sunday, I was doing extra work for the WWE. I was going to be doing Survivor Series, and then the next day I was going to be doing Raw, and then the next day I was going to be doing SmackDown. I was like, "Am I going to beat the fuck out of Big Vito in the locker room uh, two days before I go to work for WWE and extra extra work at capacity?"
1: Uh, they probably would have booked you if you'd done it. But you know, um, sorry, go on. It
0: wasn't, it was more about the fact that, like. It was just. It was surprising. It was like the, the the amount of delusions. And I think Bomb Boy said, I don't need this as much as you do. I don't need this as much as you do. I own the house. I have a nice car. I don't need this as much as you do. Like, like I, I do this because I love it. You need it. And that's. That's something, like, I think I've always gravitated towards finding that balance. And that's why me and Matt got so much closer all the time. But, go go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that was great. Um, Back to your notes. No, I mean, that was
1: fantastic. I mean, feel free to bring up any stories like that. Jesus. But, uh, so, what was the argument over, by the way? Was it because Bomboy did too much stuff in the Uh, ring? It was, was,
0: um, Vito was... Running the locker room, and he said, "Oh, I want to make I want to make sure you get this super kick in, and then you sell a bunch of other stuff." And and Bambu did exactly what he asked. It was just that, like, now Vito was intimidated by the fact that this other this other bald dude, this other bald muscular dude, is out there outperforming whatever his expectations were, and then just wanted to give him shit to like be an alpha on it right okay and where was this vineland new jersey oh okay great some
1: some some bullshit high school gym in vineland new jersey and Shawn michaels was nowhere to be found no (laughs) and suddenly after the match the mics in the arena that i don't think they really got sorted out to be honest with you i think there's a time maybe in 08 they start being audible for the home video audience Mm -hmm. but to me, it just sounds like the teachers from Charlie Brown's Peanuts. You know, no, 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 no. But the, we can get it that there's an altercation between you and, hey, look, retired wrestler GQ happens to be there. Uh-huh. And, and I'll put, good for this company. They set up something in advance for the next show. Uh, but I can't hear Dick. Uh, <laughs> I know that you shove GQ's mate down who's next to him, and then it, it comes to blows. But luckily for you and everybody else involved, the shortest security guy This side of Ronnie, the limo driver, is able to stop you both. (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry, we'll come to this later on with the stuff. But might as well talk about GQ now. As a fan, I always thought GQ, not to sound stupid, but was money. He looked like he had all the goods to go far in this, and then he just stopped. I believe Mm -hmm. I've heard or read over the years, maybe making this up, he had some sort of um, chiropractic or some sort of... Mm -hmm not chiropractic, with something to do with a uh, body that he went back to rather than do wrestling, but right, um, you was, said that you knew GQ, so.
0: Yeah, it was just risk versus reward. You know right. what I mean? Uh, what, what am I getting, like, like I've said to you already, a lot of this, the business on this level is very pay to play, and GQ was more about getting paid to do things that he was passionate about. That could make him more money, uh, and I mean, and good for him, man. Like he, he's married and has some kids, and he's. I I still catch up with him every once in a while on. Uh, what's that app? What there's the app you just like send like little quick videos with each other back and TikTok. forth. No, no, no. It's it's like personal videos. Oh man, uh, I'm gonna tell you right now. I forget now.
1: Ah, oh, what the hell! Yeah, it uh, sounds like a cool person thing, so I wouldn't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's only for cool people. I mean, you have to be, you have to be, uh, you have to be invited by the cool, the cool kids club. I don't All know right. how I got invited. <laughs> no, it's called Marco Polo. Uh, it's just like, this this like oh, quick vid- okay. little videos. You send, hey buddy, how's it going? And it's personal to whoever back and forth. But, Sweet. Uh, I don't use it very much, <laughs> but. Every once in a while, I'll get on there and and I'll have a message from George or something. Lovely. Thank you for letting me know what I'm missing out on. Marco Uh, Polo. Just look it up. (laughs) The next match is
1: Metro Sickness versus, of all teams, Faith in Nothing. Uh, First of all, Rick Feinberg, who is also doing commentary, says, They're Metro Sickness. Eric Tuttle is metrosexual and Jude has AIDS. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Metro sickness. <laughs> <sighs>
0: uh, I <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you know anything about Jude, he once was a way larger boy, and then he lost a ton of weight. So uh, I think Rick was always making the joke. Oh, right, right. He I He had AIDS because of, of sickness. Sleep.
1: That was the joke.
0: that <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I don't think it actually had anything to do with the name of their tag team at all. But it was always the joke that he lost all the weight because he had (laughs) AIDS. I don't know. Uh, Okay, I have to say, on Rick's defense, he was angry that he wasn't wrestling on the show. And he was doing a significant amount of drinking up at the commentary table.
1: I don't doubt it.
0: So he had like a ton of rum.
1: <laughs> oh, good. At least he's got good taste then. That's yeah, right. yeah. It was
0: like past. rum and diet coke up at the diet. commentary d- table the whole time.
1: Oh, no, no. It's like coke. Fuck him. This is essentially both men' natural sicknesses retirement match. Aside from mm-hmm. a brief MBA, the Maven Bentley Association tag gauntlet appearance the following year. But before we get to the bit at the end of this, which is the other thing that this show is sadly known for. Christian faith to nothing, A.K.A. the future Ricky Shane Page, the Ohio guys. And I message uh, RSP because he's a nice, friendly guy with me um, about this, and he says, "Yeah, no, it was I, our first time at the arena."
0: I didn't know that. That, that I didn't know that that was him. I, I didn't. Even, right,
1: I didn't know it was him either until recently. I don't, I don't so.
0: think I even knew. Cool. Like, I don't think I knew. I don't think I've ever even met Ricky Shane Page, but I've heard the name a bunch. I know, like I, I do stuff with matt tremont so i see that like he's doing stuff with like so i'm doing h20 undiscovered now with tremont and i saw that he was like having a match with that guy i didn't realize that that was the same guy but the way we found faith in nothing aka me the way i found faith in nothing was i found them on myspace and (laughs) booked them on the show
1: right so that's I mean, it's crazy when you think about like how old that was, but how useful things like MySpace were, and right. then later on Facebook, and yeah. obviously for like, wow, I don't have to like ring you or get like, hey, it's me, can I book you?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. He was he had I said any memories, and he went, oh, absolutely, because <laughs> he's like, oh my god, ha ha ha, this was a weird fucking show. Um, but yeah, it, says, it was said what a what a crazy place to make his debut at the arena. And again, okay. funny knowing what he got up to later on. And yeah, all the way from Ohio. So right. all these other appearances at AIW and all those other places there. And then just showing up into
0: Philly that one time. Right. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how, like, I came across them somehow and I told Scott about them. And he was like, yeah, we'll use them. Absolutely. And then, dude, Jude, Jude still remains uh, a, a very special person in my life. I mean, I still, I still, he lives in Las Vegas now. He's he's got he's got like adult sons now who are like football players. He he's a great guy. Eric his name's Eric Crew. Uh I I recently had him on my podcast. But uh dude, it's such a such a formative time. And him and I teamed together. We did some shows like I think it was like Right, it's like we weren't doing CKNY anymore, so we were doing some indie shows where Jude and I were a tag team, and we were called the Diamond Di-con, the Diamond Icons. I don't know why, but that was the name of our tag team. <laughs> the Diamond Icons,
1: because Corey's a diamond and Eric has Never mind. Uh... <laughs> no,
0: we every promo we would say when you. When you look at a ring Like a ring The, the thing that stands out the most The diamonds And oh, we're okay. the diamonds in this
1: ring yeah.
0: So we would say that as like The promo every match But it wasn't, it wasn't for a promotion That like anybody keeps track of the internet Like a lot of, a lot of the, the Stuff I've done has been so independent Like it's like uh, Will also be considered I don't know if you've ever heard this term Shindy, yeah. So it's like we, below, we have
1: those in the UK. Don't worry.
0: Yes, it's below the level of like you don't know You don't know what the hell's going on. Right. I understand. This match is. I think
1: I've written here in a nice way. Uh, it's uh, gay, gay, gay. Spot, spot, spots. spots, spots. Uh, some nice moves from the Ohio guys, but there isn't much to type apart from gay jokes and Rick complaining about them stealing his spots. There's not much effort to get the crowd into it other than gay. Uh, And again, Rick Feinberg, was he ever going to be on the show? Was he expected to be on the show? No, no. no, no,
0: no. It's
1: just because he knew you and you were part of the the Yama 04 crew or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Um, No effort to get the crowd into it. Tuttle lands badly on a Phoenix splash uh, avoidance and lands badly on his leg. Hot tag to Northam Resorts and ISP destroying everybody. Crowd gets happy because he's doing boot scrapes. He's like a mini Lesnar here. Lesnar wore pleather. Tuttle does the 10 punch in the corner, but with his crotch in the guy's face, which I haven't seen before. And then sadly appears to end his career with a horrible move. And I think it's the only clip that SMV put on YouTube about this show, Um, on YouTube. Uh, He goes for a moonsault to the outside and somehow manages to smash both of his knees and legs on the guardrail and according to people i spoken to, broke both legs, is completely unable both, to even both stand up. both sh- shins. I beg pardon. Both and shins. And according to RSP, uh, he nearly died during surgery as the doctors discovered a blood clot as they're doing this, but luckily they caught it early. So I think the fact that, never mind the guy's wrestling career, the fact that the guy was okay after this is something to be uh,
0: celebrated. Not somebody Not somebody that I, I keep up with. I don't really keep up with Eric Tuttle, um, but sure. I... I do keep up with Eric crew. Like I said, Jude, and he was keeping up with him for a bit. And he said that he couldn't keep straight. Tuttle was kind of like a embellisher. Like he would, he would just tell stories. So, uh, he just couldn't keep straight the, the embellishments. So, uh, Jude, I think cut him out. I, but I'm not, I I don't know, you know,
1: but yeah, but that's um, fair enough. I mean, um, while this is happening, because it's obviously your friend, are you just backstage, you know, doing what wrestlers usually do, or is there any of the roles you got on the show? I
0: I really I I I don't I don't really remember, honestly. That's I don't fine. I I think I think I was just like talking to Bomboy, hanging out with Bomboy. I knew Scott had his hands full with the fact that like he couldn't pay anybody like not that he couldn't pay anybody, but he was like, We didn't make shit. And I lost my like. I know he was running around, like he had to like have his friends like go run to the bank for him. Like he was all in rescue mode. I didn't know any of that, and it took me thirteen years for us to even have the conversation because, like, after that match happened, and like I said, Scott and I, Scott and I, we went through um, seventh seventh grade through through uh, high school graduation, being like closest friends talking all the time, like every day. And uh, then it got to that show, that show happened and he lost his ass so hard that he couldn't talk to me. He didn't talk to me for a long time. Like it took a while. And like, we can finally talk about it now, 13 years later, but for the most part, he, he showed up at my house on Monday with a box of, wrestling stuff like all his wrestling threw it in a box and handed me the box like he broke up with wrestling
1: oh wow it's, it was it was that like that, that much of effect on him
0: yeah i mean he's he's now into it he's now back into it like he watches nxt all the time and he talks about nxt all the time but like it was it was too much of like he took a bath like he really took a bath on this event
1: I, I don't doubt it because I know it's yeah. an expensive arena anyway because of the whole, you know, the, the XBW invasion of uh, 2002 and all that. And mm. then XBW had to give it back because it's like, you know, how much money it costs to rent this place, you know? So I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad that he's able to, like, recover now and look at wrestling. Mm. But, right, right. Uh, the next match uh, Greg Alexander versus Akbar. man uh, has a cage match profile. Akbar comes out to. Uh, Mohamed Hassan's theme from WWE Some dude in the front row Gets really excited at the, the, the Idea that Muhammad Hassan Or maybe even Daivari at this point Is actually <gasps> going to be here And looks disappointed when a man who I've described as Is in big titty shape Comes out uh, He starts the match by praying and shouting Allah Uh <laughs> Yeah in okay. the 80s we had guys like the Iron Sheik and the Russians uh, in the mid 2000s I, we had I Evil. didn't watch this
0: I didn't don't watch worry. this and I don't know these guys uh well okay when I say I don't know these guys I didn't know these guys at the time the guy who's Greg Alexander he was actually he was actually his name is Ray Alexander and they messed it up Ray Alexander um was one of Adam Flash's students right. he got he got trained by Adam Flash went on and like he be- he became a part of TNE like we, we did stuff with him in TNE in like the WPW there was like an independent company in Reading so it would be like me and me and Rick and Matt Bomboy and Ray Alexander and Missy was a part of it at one point Missy Sampson and Roxy Cotton aka Gabby Gilbert we're all part of right. T and, and this guy, Dinmock, who you might not know because he didn't wrestle in a lot of like internet tracked wrestling companies.
1: I'm sure if I had a guy like Robin Aylor on, he'd know everything about him. He'd, he'd know every match he ever had in his blood type. But me, I'm afraid, yeah, my uh, area of expertise when it comes to Philly wrestling scene is it was right. he at the arena? Was it on Smart Mart video?
0: <laughs> if if the answers to those
1: questions are no, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> We get an update on Tallboy. He has been taken to hospital. Nice um, that they did that. Do you know if would anyone have to go to the hospital with him, or would he just be put in an ambulance? Or there we can't. I, I, I thought I thought I'd follow up like a, like the
0: roving reporter like come at the no. Honestly, I don't I don't remember. I it was a lot of it, and I have to say, man, I, I say this with a lot of things, and I. I'm, I'm, I'm 36 years old, you know, uh, I've lived a ton of life. Like I've done a lot of things and seen a lot of people and done a lot of experiences since a lot of this happened. So if even people try to bring up, like people try to bring up like high school to me, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I just completely don't know who the the hell you're talking about.
1: Sorry. See, if I was a young un, I'd be like, how can you forget all these important things? Again, I'm 32. I'm with you. (laughs) <laughs> I see things on my Facebook that happened a year ago. I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Alexander does a cool bit, even though this match is, look, is basically, look, there's a bad guy boom. him. Alexander does a cool bit where he shoves Akbar in the corner, gets over him, and does crunches that, when he's going back, are pressing him forward in the ring. And I thought that was a pretty cool spot. I don't think many people have done it. Uh, Alexander borrows Samoa Joe's kick out of a pin with Boston Crab. That's nice. Akbar does some submission moves nicely. No one gives a shit, uh, and he wins after a big clothesline. Akbar then gets some heat by saying the only reason people are booing him because they're losing the war. <laughs> <laughs> the gimmick sucks, but there's some like old people who are like, "Hey, you know, it gets the necessary action out of it." You know, yeah, I think you're fine. We're winning, good sir. You know, um, so at least he got some heat towards the end. But he, you know, again, I know it's not. I'm, I'm not riddled with abs myself, but he, he just came out looking like shit. <laughs> but good for Greg Alexander then. Um, and then we get Crazed versus JoJo. And I uh, spoke to MLJ on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. He was at the show. Obviously, a mm-hmm. big guy in indie wrestling around this time, commentated and worked for CGW and other places. But he says he was there in the yeah, show. I, I know, Emil. Oh, cool. Great. Okay. I um, know exactly what you're talking about. And who I brought this uh, show up, he went, Oh, yeah, yeah. That Crazed versus JoJo match was really good. And I went, Yeah, you're right. I agree with that. Uh, Crazed is a skinny mass dude. Jojo is a face painted large gentleman. I've typed here, and Both were from the. I'll quote the name of the wrestling company. Damn, that's wrestling.
0: Right, there's okay. Vineland, New Jersey. That was the the Big veto show. Oh, show. okay, big that's, Vito wait, was running around.
1: Yeah, that is a fantastic name for a wrestling company. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, but that, it's bad and good at the same time. Uh, Derek Sabato goes. Do you remember the American Maven Idol thing from Cage of Death Six? Well, Craze was a part of it. I don't recall. I think there were like twenty people involved in that. Uh-huh. But that, God bless him for trying. It's 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 so rare on commentary the Emery Maven Idol yeah. trying yeah. to make something sound good that I'm like, oh, I'll write uh-huh. that down.
0: <laughs> Is Derek Sabato trying
1: to get get somebody over what? No way. <laughs> Crazed tries to move to the much larger person, but he has to sell it like he's not wrestling. Opponent the size. So it's sometimes it's a bit weird. I know, like in your wrestling type, like whatever, don't use logic. But when a guy the size of Craig tries doing like a Frankenstein, and the other guy's like, whoa, and you're like, hang on, should shouldn't it shouldn't be a bit of a thing there. Mm. But it doesn't matter. I'm being way too anal because he goes outside and does a, a crazy tope on the Jojo, uh, mostly guardrail. It's a bad night for dives on this show. Mm. But it gets the crowd's attention, they're like, Oh, that was nice. Uh mm. it's Better for the live crowd than it is the people watching on DVD or on independent wrestling.tv where the show is on, as it turns out. And Derek Sabato then rides Rob for sorry, Rick, for getting names of moves wrong. Um, flustering this man and probably causing him to drink more rum and diet coke. <laughs> the match continues, but it's more on the bit distracting. The commentators never shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then Jojo and Craze keep up the big bumps and crazed wins of a very nice 450. A very fine match. But the important thing is. The person we're speaking to right now, Mr. Curry Castle, reappears and sends GQ over the guardrail. Uh, Castle lawn dart in the ring. I've typed here. I think I've got that wrong, but that's what it sounded like to me. To end the brawl when Maven, his entire flock, shows up and <laughs> you are carried out like a crazed fan. I've written here.
0: I Literally do not remember that you.
1: at all. But it's not like they building, building the heat. Like, stay tuned for more Monday Night Hanuman. You know, getting right. all the angles ready and stuff. Any memories of Crazed or JoJo Han- Hanuman Day
0: Night Raw? Hey,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Take a bow. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, Crazed, Crazed ran DCW, so I did work his shows for some years uh, before and after, before and after the Wicked Hanuman thing. And uh, um, he was good, man. He, I met him at the same time that I met uh, Sabian, a.k.a. Black G's, and uh, Joker, Bill Posada. Uh, so he, they were all with that group. Um, I have nothing against Bill Posada or Sabian. But I'd say, like, when they got CZW cool, they kind of left those guys Behind. Oh, okay. So I wanted to make sure they weren't left behind. Like, th- I think a lot of the point of the show was like, like, these motherfuckers ain't loyal, bro. <laughs> you know? Uh, well,
1: that's a nice segue to the next match where mm-hmm. there's a bunch of, again, obviously it's not the correct term, but I guess there's ex CZW dudes who weren't getting any love from the company at the time. Right. The tables match with the reunited VD, Lee Valentine and Don- Dharma. Uh, back together again for their last time until the tribute to Trent Acid 2 in 2011, many, many years later. Am um, I right in saying, then, is this his first match
0: back after? No, no. I mean, oh, he, right, right. He, Actually, he, I don't know that much about him. I mean, the, the, internet, the internet wrestling versus, like, the companies that, that the internet keeps up with versus, like, the companies that are out there and the companies where matches happen... Like Eddie was training. He, he had, he was like had a, a night at a wrestling school where he would like help train people. And he would, uh, he, he would like do shows. He was running shows. Like he had his own ring. He was doing, he was on the, on the move to be, you know, to be, he wanted, you know, he wanted, he wanted this business just as much as we all do. Well, it's just very much that that same thing I was talking to you about that this becomes kind of a pay- to play business in a lot of ways. And it's like Eddie for a while was running his own promotion in Reading called WPW. That was uh, in that company, he teamed with Dahmer there, and I teamed with uh, Rick Feinberg. We did. We were the K, we were KFC Castle Feinberg Connection, which you might have also seen on uh, on the like NBA shows. We did a couple shows with NBA. Yeah, I've seen a few NBA shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. we 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 were goof, we were a goofball tag team. We we wrestled. I think we wrestled the Metro sickness on one of the shows, where the finish of the match was. This was around the time where William Regal was a big deal, and he would. And he would, like, get brass knuckles out of his, out of his yeah, trunks. I remember he, that, yeah, yeah. And he'd hit them, and it was called the power of the punch. Where in our power of the punch, it was a Hawaiian punch underneath the ring, and I'd pull the Hawaiian punch out and hit the guy with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that was, was pretty stupid. all right. Yeah, it's pretty stupid, but <laughs> hilarious at the same time. You know
1: what? I, I, I'll, I'll allow it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you get the pin with it? Uh, yeah, of course Oh, Then, then it's alright
0: The kick out, fuck it if it was a kick out I ain't having it, bro <laughs> a I'm, a, for me. I'm a politician To get you blackballed, dude Kick out of the power of the punch Big
1: Mac Smack Is here with VD, like the good old days uh, He insults the fine cinematography Of Nick Mondo mm-hmm. To establish that they are the bad guys here in this match uh, I've, I've typed up here, an adorable looking Danny Havoc shows up. Because <laughs> at this point, he had such a, I, I don't know how to describe it, a nice face. Yeah. Everyone else comes out, you know. He wasn't weathered he, yet. He And Nate Hatred are like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. And Danny Havoc looks like he's walking into a shop and he's wondering what Snickers he's going to eat. You Man. know, it's, he's got that look on his face. He looks so innocent. And <laughs> um, Derek Sabato, what's wearing red and isn't trained? Danny Havoc. Uh, sadly, there's no pop for him from the 150 people. I was, I assumed he had a rep, but I guess again, as I'm establishing this, I only know that bubble, the dub bubble. Right, right, right. Um he was over by that point, by 07 at least. Uh, as Dirk Savala brings up later on, um, you know, the 10,000 matches he had with DJ Hyde, where he lost to DJ Hyde every time, but uh-huh. apparently that didn't translate
0: to places like Wicked Hanuman. Oh, well. right, 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 right. It was like. I think at that era, honestly, I I mean, I don't know for sure as far as what CZW was actually doing, but I think DJ was in the process of starting to run stuff there. So it was kind of like DJ and Maven were kind of running stuff there. So I think when, when you look at the Wicked Hanuman show, I think they used the CZW ring. I think like a lot of it was like, well, well, just it's built in with the price of the building or, you know what I'm saying? Like um, it was, it was all really weird and incestuous, I'd have to say, <laughs> um, um, uh, but, um, the whole DJ Danny Havoc thing, like, I have to say, I, I was still at the CZW school when Grant Danny Havoc had started training there. He was my little, he was my bud. I have a thing that I say all the time that I, that I got from Danny Havoc. <laughs> Danny Havoc, he said this to me, and I never stop laughing or smiling when I think about it. He was like, he would just went up to me and went, "Oh, Corey Castle, y'all, so and so," and I thought it was hilarious. And I <laughs> say you so and so" to everybody all the time now.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great! I but, only had the pleasure of meeting Danny Havoc once, and was only at the arena in um, the first ECW show of 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh am gonna be in the country at the time and vaguely in the same area. And he, I forget the match he had, but he was there. And I'm like, oh man, looking forward to your match tonight. And he just re-deadpanned, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly him. Yeah. Uh, and his tag team partner is, from hell, Nate Hatred. Right. Uh, and again, a guy who I don't think at this point was in CCW. I think he makes some co no. later on, yeah, he was, uh, he oh, was on.
0: He was on the outs with Zandig at the time. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, Havoc tries wrestling Dharma. But he is. I put. He's the teach. And in my head, that was supposed to sound like the deej. I don't think that works very well. I won't do that again. So vd <laughs> double team him behind the referee's back. They continue to tag in and do traditional wrestling, uh, causing a fan to yell out, "I thought this was a tables match." Uh, <sighs> it's a fair point. Uh, we'll carry on with that. Haber gets the hot tag to Nate, who gets big clotheslines.
0: That uh, fan was MLJ. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> Course idea. Who else is going to show that? No, I have no idea. I've, i was just a just a guess.
1: <laughs> uh Sabato then wonders why is no one going for pinfalls? Crowd isn't that into it because of the the wrestling like a normal match, I guess. Uh-huh. Havoc gets destroyed by Dharma for a bit, including a moment where he bends him into a forty-five degree angle with a camo clutch. Oh, and- dude. I couldn't
0: if I had a dime for every time John Dahmer bent me in half with a camel clutch, it it would—I would I'd would, I would have more money than I've ever had. Like, honestly, that hurt so bad, and Dahmer just loved doing it. It hurt so bad. <laughs> like, I almost peed myself every time. I, I don't doubt it. It does look fucking horrible, but— Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, it's it's the dumb. Uh, I, I don't know about being trained in the wrestlers business. Who am I to judge? Um, the tables show up. The crowd is happy. Yay! Uh, it, it's weird seeing a team like VD in an arena uh, when I've only watched them in CGW. What is the the wrestling? The SATs and uh, the Ratchies and all the other people in two thousand and one. The South core connection, self core All the right. greats, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, and getting no pop from the crowd. Despite the stuff they're doing, I put it's like watching the, the Legion of Doom post two thousand three as okay. a wrestling fan. Hatred tries German suplexing Valentine through a table, and because you know fucking, hate Hatred had that fucking uh, core on him. Uh, the table only bends. Crowds books it's Philly. Uh, mm-hmm. Sabato must be Japanese, uh, so he does it again. It definitely goes through. So that's V out. Uh, wax the photographer assists Nate Hatred setting up two tables outside and one on top of the other. Wax moonlight in there. Hatred (laughs) heads up on top, so Dharma tosses him off, but sadly for him, he only goes through one table and slides off and hits the floor, Uh, but that's Hatred out. V, they continue to wrestle, so no one's eliminated. V connects with a giant palm strike to Danny Havoc, which busts his face and nose open. Uh, Crowd pops more for the palm strike than any of the table spots, by the way. Uh, Sabato mocks him out of times Havoc lost the hide. VD sets up Havoc for a super bomb, keeping him down uh, there, just in the about-to-be-picked-up position. Holds on to him while uh, Valentine hits him with the chair as the kick, and then super-bombs him to end it. No, he doesn't. While he's in the table, Dama pins him one, two, three to win the tables match. <laughs> Weirdness aside, uh, oh, sorry, bit at the end. Hatred teases destroying Havoc post-match and holds his hand up as Havoc's bleeding very badly, and doesn't seem impressed and says as much to the uh, person recording this with a little camera. <laughs> yeah, what did you think, Paul? What did I think about the match? Yeah, or, oh, right, I'm sorry, I'm acting like you've watched this down with me. Sorry, I'm going back to the default podcast mode. But uh, I mean, um, obviously you said that you have respect for Valentine and all this. Yeah. Any feedback from him about this? Was well, he happy well, to be doing here's it? Here's what
0: I know. Here's what I know going into this match. Right. Here's what I, Eddie Van Valentine and Nate Hatred had a series of matches against each other in Japan. When CZW went over to Japan, they that's what I always thought was so cool. So such respect. The amount of respect for the craft that is pro wrestling for me came from the amount of respect that I saw through Eddie Valentine. A lot of it came through like him going like the wars that we had in Japan. Like when he would say the words that me and Mondo had back in the PA days before Mondo became a big thing, it always made me like really want this more and more. Not not evidenced by the fact that I stunk, but eventually, eventually, like it's I stuck around. I stuck around Eddie Valentine and uh, we didn't really talk much about this show because it uh, it really I think it was. I think it was traumatizing that we all had our hopes so high only for them to go so badly. Um, But um, I didn't talk, I didn't talk about it with Dahmer very much, but I know um, he knew that him and Nate could do cool stuff. He knew him and Grant could do cool stuff, but like no one really gave them like a, here's what the rules are to the match here's you know what I mean like here's oh you need to pin them but there are tables involved and that was uh, who who knows you know what I mean like no one may that if that had been clearly communicated through all avenues to go this is the kind of match we want and this is why we wanted this way like whenever there's a team you got to assume this I mean maybe I'm crazy but I'm saying if there's a team who's never teamed before teaming up for the first time and they're going against a team who was a big team. That team's not going to win. <laughs> the te- you know what I mean? The established team is going to win. But um, yeah. I think, you know, it was in our heads as far as, like, booking this. This was just going to be step one. You know what I mean? It was going to lead to something more and, and, you know, hopefully be something bigger. Hopefully be something cooler because I think Danny and Nate wanted to work with each other. So I think it was like, well, we're going to, you know, test the waters on this one. But then it was like, it's hard, dude. It's hard to stay motivated to have a really good match when you show up at a show and there's like nobody there. Right. And like there's a feeling of like dread in the air because like somebody feels like they lost their ass on it and it's like I I mean, I've been there not just from this show, but I mean, through other other shows and experiences like we're like oh man like uh this this is not this is not normal you know i think that that could have played a factor in the <laughs> the amount of enthusiasm
1: of course oh i mean i don't doubt it i think there were some people being very harsh sometimes in reviews and they're like oh it's like they're, they're trying very hard and you're like well yeah When well, there's more people in the back than there are out front what the fuck are you right. gonna do right I once went to a show in Darlington in the northeast here in England um, that ran hot, quite hot for about a month and then just did, fell off the roof. So one time I was at this company running their last show at this place called the Dolphin Centre and there were 13 people in the crowd and me and my friends were two of them. Um, and we get there and obviously it's just a sea of empty chairs. for first, first match, guy comes out and he's like, It's great to be here at this sold out, jam packed arena. I know there's so many of you. Can you hear me over the noise that you guys are making, right? He just <laughs> completely like, fucking, like, he knew. It's like, Why even hide it? But I think that that can work for an English setting. Right. For, for America, it's like, What the fuck are you going to do? You know, I think i am going to see many times I'm making fun of the fact that there's not many people there. Right. <laughs> uh, the comedy and wrestling's weird. And if you don't believe me, the next match features Nicky Benz versus Jerry Lynn. Uh, no, man. not Nick Burke, Nicky Benz. I'd forgotten about this fucking thing. Um, uh, I don't think this gimmick ever worked for me when I was watching it back in the day because the, the King of Comedy thing, I love. I really do. The, the, the film, um, seeing a lot of people nowadays who don't realize that they are Rupert Pumpkin. It's fantastic. <laughs> but in a wrestling setting, it never seemed to get the reaction that he was looking for in the shows I watched. He does his best, though. He comes out and goes, what did one fat girl say to the other fat girl? Who cares? She's fat. <laughs> uh, and Crowder just like, "Uh huh." Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Especially when his opponent is, you know, oh, a little-known person, just completely unknown to the rest. Jerry Lynn is his opponent.
0: <laughs> right?
1: And God bless Jerry Lynn here. I've tied... Jerry Lynn wrestles this match in front of 150 people and it was probably cold even in March at this place. Like, he's main eventing. Like, Anarchy Rules 99. He doesn't give a fuck that's 150 people. He puts the same amount of effort in. It's why I love Jerry Lynn as a fan.
0: Jerry, uh, Jerry's such a pro. Jerry's such a pro, man. I, I didn't really know him that well. Like um, I only did a handful of shows with him here and there. But um, the, fact that, the fact that like you can observe that that he he wrestles like he's in the main event. I did a I did a a, a a Jerry Lynn seminar once before like a World 1 show and it was it was probably one of the coolest seminars i have ever done cuz he you know he really he really dives into why things are important yeah. and he shows that in his work and uh, if he was still working, he would still be the same way. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, even here with Nikki
1: Benz, who's he, again, he's he's very tanned. Nikki Benz, mm-hmm. Um but you know that to try doing the crisscross, and Lynn is working to his to his positives, the fact that right. he's not out in shape. So does the crisscross, uh, and then he can't do it because he's tired. And then Lynn gets sick of running him around the ring and gets the mic and things. New York, New York, like Nicky Benz really (laughs) sucks. And the crowd pops big for that. So, (laughs) Uh, and I just put really great effort and he ends it with a cradle pile driver. Uh, You know, it's one of these matches where you go, you know what? You know who I'd like to see, Russell? Jerry Lynn. What? Who's that? Nicky Benz. But it works so well. Uh, Nick Burke must have loved doing this gimmick because it was everywhere. (laughs) It was more over (laughs) than Nick Burke was, uh, these companies. But what are you going to say?
0: I love Nick Burke. He remains one of my closest friends that I've ever had in wrestling. Uh, he, he's he been on my podcast. He's been on Wrestle Rock more times than anyone's ever been on the show. Uh, I, re- I don't know. I don't remember why. He, I I remember pitching Burke wrestling Jerry Lynn. I don't remember pitching him as Nicky Benz, maybe that's something he really wanted to do. I don't, maybe, maybe that was something Scott really wanted to see. I don't really recall, especially, you know, it's been so long, but like, I always thought, I always thought Burke was like underrated as hell. Like, if you look back at his like Red Bull, Nick Burke time, like when he like had matches with like his matches with Mama Luke, like his match, like all that, all that stuff was so good. like, Remember when he was doing the submission stuff? Like, he tapped out all yeah. the students. He tapped out me and Niles and and uh, Jude and, what, uh, like, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of us. Josh just, Prohibition and guys like that. I yeah, that. Josh Prohibition and and Insomniac.
1: I don't remember that.
0: But... No, he, he was just another one of the students. <laughs> oh, <and> right. <laughs> he came out and he, like, blew a spot. If you watch, oh, man, what the show is called, I think the show is called Uncivilized. In that in oh, that okay. gauntlet yeah, match, yeah. in that in that gauntlet match, where it was like we all like did stuff with Nick Burke, uh, <laughs> the guy this is my friend Carmen. He he wrestled on that one show as Insomniac, and I don't think he ever saw him again. But he did a spot where like he did a drop down, and he wasn't supposed to do a drop down yet. It's such a botch. It's ridiculous. If you watch it, I'm 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 pointing out a botch to the botchamania guy. Yeah, yeah that, but, thank you. What, so what's a botch? Let me write that down. <laughs> But, but like, you watch Nick Burke go, like, <laughs> think, like, Nick Burke was like, nah, come on, buddy, you're you're screwing it up here. Like, you saw him, like, you just, I think I remember there being such frustration on his face when he was like, I think it might have been, it might have been Live Again. So, January 2003, oh, okay, right. if you watch that show back. It's probably on. I don't know how I can remember this, but I can't remember any of the other stuff. I can go, oh yeah, that was January two thousand three, but somehow I can't tell you like what I was doing backstage at his show that was thirteen years ago. But I can tell you what I was doing. I can tell you what I was doing the exact day and time because it had a it had a feeling. You know what I mean? Like when that XPW when that XPW war came in and they like forced us out of the building and we had to go to the the sixty first and Passyunk. It felt like. We it was like a a rebellious move, and it felt like such a cool big deal to be a part of that movement, and absolutely everything felt mega. And like Rick Blade was back, and like everything, everything was was on track to make CZW at that time become what ECW was just years prior, and. During that show, while we were at sixty person pass young, which you'll see if uh, Tatanka was on that show, I think.
1: Oh, that that show, yes, I remember now.
0: So, in that show, apparently there were some major money investors who wanted to see Tatanka on our show, but they were going to invest like millions. This is this is the 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 rally that Zandig was getting giving us in the back. Mm. He was like, they're <laughs> gonna. They're gonna, they're gonna put lots of money into the company. I had this meeting with these people. He's like, you know, you get lots of, you get lots of scars in this business, like in in business, you get scarred, a lot of emotional scars. Look at the scars in my forehead, and like, his hat up, like, he's like, scars like that, whatever it was, not a very professional, not a professional white collar pitch. Well, let me adjust my tie here and just tell you about how many times I exchange blood with other folks. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you see the company of three years, it goes, eh. <laughs> uh, But anyway.
1: <laughs> anyway, yes.
0: The Six person Pass Young. Is the the rally- Electric Factory,
1: to interrupt. What's up? Is that the Electric Factory?
0: No, no. The Electric Factory oh. was, 3 VW had run there, and that was-, that was a great venue for these wrestling shows. It looked great. It looked really good. I wish that we had run at the Electric Factory. And I think the original plans like back 99 was for or like 2000, CZW was supposed to run their first pay-per-view with like Terry Funk versus Onita, yeah. and it was supposed to be at the Electric Factory. But I don't know what the hell happened. I mean, that was even before I was ever even a student. I was just going to the shows. But that was uh, that was that was major. It felt like it was going to be big. Yeah, the, 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 again, just speaking as a fan, that time was so crazy.
1: That's why there was like so many message boards and people investing, going on there like every day and going, "What, the, what what's happening with the XBW Ring of Honor to three BW?" insanity! Yeah, oh my god, euthanasia have jumped to XBW right. just as pain is back as these. Ah, craziness! Right. Speaking of crazy moves to different companies, the the new Irish drinking team are here. You know, <laughs> Ian Knox, and he's replacing his old tag team partner Chris Styles. Who apparently stopped in 2003 called a cage match, but knowing what I've seen on this interview you probably did wrestle a lot other places than that. Oh yeah, dude. It he was in matter. Ring of
0: Honor. He was in Ring oh, of Honor, the benchmark, Bill Daly. He was Oh. he changed his name. He changed his look. He juiced, he like got real jacked up, dude. Uh what a cool dude. He he worked at Eddie's company in WPW, uh in Reading. But yeah, Bill, he was the benchmark, Bill Daly. Uh he trained uh with like Rip Rogers and OVW, right. and uh, he like some of his students, guys that you might know now or you might not know. I don't know if you do you know um, do you know uh, Ricky Martinez, picture yeah. perfect Ricky Martinez. Uh, he trained him uh, Keikoa, the Hawaiian warrior Keikoa, who was recently on Raw Underground. Just oh okay yeah yeah. The big- so 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 yes, Bill Daly. I didn't know that he was still around. If I knew, he would have done it and not Andrew right. Test Martin.
1: You know, there was no other wrestlers available, so you had to get Andrew Test Martin uh, <laughs> against the makeshift team of Adam Flash and Monster Mac. And according to all the notes I've seen on the, the things I've seen about Wicked Hand Man, because uh, there's so much literature about it, Danny Rose was supposed to team with them. Obviously, he's the the Ratchies—I think I'm right. getting that, that pronounced right—but where was Danny
0: Rose? Uh, I don't know. He just didn't show up. I oh. I knew I knew that he was supposed it was you know what was real funny? Um <laughs> I ran into him at one of Rebel's shows. I ran ran into him at one of Rebel's shows and I was like, hey man, am I gonna see you in March at the arena? And he's like, Oh yeah, who's the money mark? And he said that to me, and I was like, Ew. Like, I love Danny Rose. Like, I, I always loved Danny Rose, and I still like, if I see Danny Ruiz, I saw him, like, at a show, like, two years ago in Reading. Like, I, I wrestled at the Hamburg Fieldhouse a couple years ago. And Danny was there, and he brought his twins. He's got twin boys now. They're, they're like, they're, they got to be, like, 13 or something. Like, he's got, he's got, they were probably, he was probably, you know what? He was probably giving birth to his kid. He was probably with his wife. <laughs> they were giving birth to his twins. I knew what you meant. That's why he didn't show up at the Weird Hottoman show. <laughs> He was like, hurry up, hurry up, I'm gonna be a wicked honeymoon and now <laughs> He's like, come on! I gotta make you I gotta get my money mark payday. This guy's yeah. gonna take a bath. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah, Marcus, I, I, okay. I don't know why I don't know why Steve Mack was I think that that also had something to do with Adam Flash. Adam Flash, I think somehow I think there was some sort of like Adam Flash pitched putting him in the match. I don't know why. I don't. Was Adam Flash on the show?
1: Adam, Adam Flash, a... yeah, he's in the match.
0: He's in the match. Okay, yeah, yeah it's Adam him Flash. In the Mac. Okay, yeah, Adam Flash pitched for Steve to do it. I don't know why, but I I like I like Monster Mac. Him and I have always got along. Uh, he's he's a really nice guy. I don't know why he was in the match. I never saw him before that show. I had never met him before. I've talked to him a
1: whole bunch of times. I thought I had him on Facebook, but I, I thought he's changed his name or something, or he's unfriended me. Um, but yeah, I've talked to him. I've nothing but cool things to say about him. He's just a nice dude. I would love to message him about this because he probably has a bunch of stories. But who cares? Test is here. And apparently, he'd only just been released uh, around February 07. Because I know they had this weird thing where he'd lost every match. They'd obviously, W had already decided that they were going to get rid of him. But, so he lost every match on TV to build up to this match he had at Royal Rumble 07 with Lashley, where he lost to him again on pay-per-view. I think he maybe lost again, and then he was done. It was so weird. It's like, no, no, we're really firing you, and just so you make it sure, <laughs> we're booking you for TV, and fuck you, you're gonna have a pay-per-view payday and lose again. I'm sure Tess is <laughs> like, all right. Um, and this is, is, this is where he, he, his first non-WWE wrestling appearance is at Wicked Hanuman. Uh, I'll describe the match and we we'll get to it, as I think you said before about Tess not being happy with this. Uh Mac gets the biggest reaction uh, of this match uh, on the ECW chance towards Test. Uh, Knox manages to body drop Monster Mac, which is very impressive, given his size. Uh, Mac takes him down while yelling, this one's for you, Test, while he's on the apron. Uh, Test gets a load of juice and roid jokes from the commentators. (laughs) Openly saying,
0: wow, he looks really
1: big and on steroids.
0: Where do you think he got the name Test?
1: (laughs) I mean, it's true, but he doesn't have to say it. Uh, uh, Monster Mac falls off the ropes very badly to the amusement of the crowd, and after double-teaming knocks for six minutes, he makes the hot tag to the ECW legend as the crowd are now chatting EC-dub, and Test like, yeah, EC-dub, EC-dub. Test hits a clothesline, followed by the very impressive Test pump-handle slam uh, onto Mac. Hmm. I think the fact he was able to do that's cool. Flash hits him with the chair, but test no sells and big boots knocks, followed by a TKO for the win. And I've put here 150 people in the crowd equals 150 seconds of work for test.
0: So, uh, what's yeah. sad is, like, I don't know what he was paid. I really wonder. I really wonder what he... Like, <laughs> it, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. Uh, Uh... I don't know why he was there. I don't know how that arrangement happened. I have no idea. Uh, but, um, dude, it was Test, on top of kind of being a dickhead to everybody there, was the biggest dickhead to Ian. Like, the guy he was teaming with, he was an asshole to him. And uh, not to speak ill of the dead. But I'm not going to be polite just because he's dead. Fuck that guy. No, that's fair enough.
1: I mean, I know some people have different things. Uh, where, where the former it comes to, oh, oh, they're dead, but not say anything No, I, I think you're allowed to say something. My opinion is, no, no I mean, because everybody dies at some point. I mean, it's right. So uh, but yeah, test here at the arena and getting. <laughs> yeah, at least he got a pop when he did his stuff, and he did a thing on Monster Mac. But yeah, oh, just uh, just yeah. go on. <laughs> I was going to say, say nothing. I'm saying nothing on note, so.: so go on. Ian.
0: So, Ian hadn't been wrestling in a while. No. Ian Ian had just he's battling with some demons in himself. He was struggling for self-worth that he didn't have. Uh, Ian was Ian was a very damaged boy. Uh, he hadn't been working for a while he hadn't been wrestling for a while so i know he was going through some some stuff uh so he hadn't been working and when he got in the back with with test test was like bro you got a lot you got to work on and he was like "No." Nah. <laughs> was like like it's like he, you're you're trying to pick apart this guy's match he doesn't care to have another match like it wasn't like it was like he didn't expect the match to happen and he didn't expect to have another one. Like it with Ian it was very like it was very like it is what it is, you know? But uh, I recently I recently did this short film called Bruce. It was a 15 really link to that. That's right. 15 minute short film. Ian called me after it and we talked for like 3 hours on the phone. And it was just like old times, catching up. Ian was like a brother to me during training. Like, we we treated each other like brothers. It was really cool. It was really cool to catch back up with him. And I really hope that him and I can, can get together soon. But, yes, uh, test. Get out of here. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I think it would be a
1: weirder... More interesting story if it's like Tess showed up and he was the nicest guy. He was so polite and down to earth, you know. It's like right. Right. he didn't he didn't really do many much indie stuff before yeah, right. Was, right. you know, well whatever. Um we move on to the complete contrast in styles here. As Loki is here and he has issued an open challenge, and as Dennis Shock says, uh, three people have answered it. Sabian and Ruckus come out with the blackout theme to big pops from the crowd because blackout were friggin' amazing. Um, definitely helped at least proper, at least CZW and Chikara and every other company they were booked for during this period right uh, oh also Sanjay Dutt is here was, he was also working TNA at the time but it's only during the period when they are allowed to work independent dates obviously mm-hmm. um, and I said the match is already the best match on the card uh, just the entrances. and we you know we talked a lot about stuff here I'll just say they blow the rest of the show away with the athleticism and beating the fuck out of each otherness i say <laughs> obviously I'm.
0: Is it v- made that a verb? Wordsmith.
1: Yes. Yeah. If you put Nuss in the end, everything's a verb. Uh, but, yeah, they, they they have a match expected. These four people and the crowd are very welcome. I'm sure this is the match that people, smartman video would put. What? Uh, you know, the some other stuff in the a, card, it, but what a, a good, four-way match? You know, that was say, a, it was a tape seller.
0: Yeah, it was a. Yeah, there was we go,
1: a, tape seller. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. Of, uh thoughts or comments or issues with this? Um, it was am- it was a great
0: match. Um, um. I think it was kind of, I think it was a waste. Honestly, I think it's a waste to put that much talent in one match. You could spread them out. Could have get, could you know, could have gave somebody else a better match, or you know what I mean? Like, you just blew your nut on that one match. Uh, I mean, good, good for them for getting that match. Um, but yeah, um, I, I love, I love ruckus. I could say that every day of the week. Love Ruckus, uh, I, I, I like Sabian. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. San, Sanjay, I really like Sanjay a lot. Loki, I don't really have much to say about. Like, not because not like I have bad things to say about him. I just don't really know him, and I've only ever been at shows with him twice. Understandable. But, I you're mean, you're allowed to he, have no opinion,
1: just yeah, like I've seen in
0: *Pulp Fiction*. He, um. When, um, when I did the, those WWE dates that I was talking to you about, um, we were in the ring together. Like, we were just, like, before the show started, we were just, like, chaining and stuff before the show. Like, he's nice, but, but uh, you know, I can see why people say he's not nice. I could see, I can understand it. I mean, if you watch his matches, you can tell, like, he doesn't take a lot of people's stuff. And he stiffs the crap out of everybody. That's not the best. Not a whole lot of people are going to want to work with you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't really have much else to say about. It.
1: That's absolutely fair enough, mate. Because why talk about the positives when we talk about? As if the show wasn't weird enough with the name and everything else. The main event of this show sees Raven, who we all know and love, versus the original Leatherface, going by the Super Leather name, I believe, due to the fact that uh, IW Japan stars the the copyright on. The Leatherface one. I'm sure they're watching this in 2007 going, oi, that's our blokey. But yeah, Corporal, Corporal Krishna himself is here returning. Krishna. Yeah, and this is, the, this is the year later on in the year where he would, Debbie would accidentally report that he died <laughs> and he had to go, I'm fucking not dead and he's still alive as the time of this recording. And because apparently, if I remember the story correctly, there was a guy who told everybody that he was Leatherface. And uh-huh. uh, he was that leatherface guy. And he, so when he died, it was reported oh leatherface dies, but it turns out it was just bullshit. My, I was one friend, of the fake leather faces.
0: My friend is doing uh, the the leatherface gimmick in Japan right now. Uh, oh which company? Uh, FMW. Um, uh, I don't know what the I don't know uh, what the gimmick yeah, is. Which, but version I...
1: of any, uh, which version of FMW is it now? I forget in 2020. I don't I don't Shit. know. But it gets very convoluted because apparently in Japan you can't just call something super in mm-hmm. front of it and it becomes a different company like 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 oh no this isn't wwe this is super wwe it's all right and it just works over there right but- it's
0: like a, the, the whatever the brass knuckles i, I don't know yeah, or the yeah, brass yeah, knuckles right, right, championship right. like whatever that is like i don't know how many fmws there are i don't really keep up with japanese wrestling but i know my friend tony is doing that gimmick in japan right now
1: oh nice I listen to there's a, a great series of podcasts about, uh, called The History of FMW that goes into detail about how it all started. Because you know, American dramas are right and UK drama could be all right, but Japanese drama is just fucking out of this world.
0: Well, so like it's all the, you know, it's the all politics thought, thought, thought. behind pro wrestling in Japan are kind of weird and kind of sick. Uh, where it's like, here, you're buying all these tickets from me, like they'll go to a business and be like. like Hey, we're the promotion. You're buying all these tickets from you're going to sell all these tickets to everybody, but they're going to they'll pay the promotion like as if they'll se- sell the tickets, but then they won't sell the tickets. It's corrupt sort of uh mafioso sort of style. Absolutely. Uh So do you know see
1: so what do you do do you have any say in how the show got booked or was it all your friend? I
0: I guess I was I was pretty peripheral on a lot of the things I was just kind of, I would just kind of give my thoughts and then they, they got sort of uh, ignored on some of it. (laughs) Uh, But I knew that the, the posters, I don't know if the posters for this show are shown anywhere.
1: I have a look on Google,
0: but the, the Scott had commissioned a real comic book artist to to design a poster for the show and it's an amazing illustration which is super leather and raven
1: yeah i'll, I'll have a quick look now it's what independentwrestling.tv uses as the uh, the preview image right oh, so that was commissioned for the oh i wonder where that image came from then
0: yeah so it does look scott, cool scott had commissioned a comic book artist to make that picture which is amazing it's a really really good picture and i remember um i i actually Paid to get the only thing I paid for On the show was to get those flyers Printed up and we would uh Like it was cold Like you said it was March and we would Like flyer up all the cars At every place we could in Philly For a while And you thought that that would just draw a house But it didn't I don't Yeah I was Going to
1: say so do you know why of all People Leatherface was here Was there- I have
0: really no Idea I That's think fine. I think that there in in the creative mind was a void for that that needed to be filled
1: right I guess for that makes this sense.
0: area yeah uh,
1: you know what uh, Eric Bischoff has said many times on his uh e three weeks where with w c w he said we had to be uh either different or better than our competitors, we couldn't right. be the same as right. so you know you're not booking. Or well, the 2007 main event being CCW, uh, Chris Hero versus Eddie Kingston, for example. You, right. you know, you, you're trying to do something different, and he couldn't get this at uh, Ring of Honor. So, right. um, so Leatherface, he's here, by God. Uh, Rick Feinberg has left the commentary booth to give this the main event feel that it deserves, I guess. Maybe he's <laughs> gone to a liquor store, or maybe get a ogie, I don't know. So we have Max Smack and Nick Mondo giving some thoughts. However, apparently they're way too far away from the microphone or weren't prepared to be doing commentary. So at some point you hear Rick asking questions, then you hear, so uh, Mondo does (laughs) a good job, though, I'll say, of explaining who Leatherface is and all of his accomplishments in Japan, so that's nice. But never mind that, Raven is an interesting guy, and I've seen in his post-TNA, post ECW run, where he's at smaller indies, where just from a fan's perspective, it looks like, he shows up and goes, Right, I'm just going to do what the fuck I like because I'm raving and no one's going to tell me what to do. And mm-hmm. I'm just speculating here that he saw Nikki Benz backstage and was like, Cool, yeah, you're coming out with me and I'm going to do stuff with you.
0: Right.
1: Um, yeah. So, Koba Krishna, who I believe, again, from some memory for the FMW podcast, he got thrown out of Japan uh, for either drugs or annoying the Yakuza and having to escape the country for fear of his life. I forget what it is. He's been back since and all that, but and there's at least one dude in the crowd who has a giant old school wing poster. He's front row mm. in the front hard cam. It's like, oh, cool. So there's that. But there's not a lot of heat apart from that one dude. It, it's just like, okay, it's leatherface. So <laughs> it's not like Leatherface is back because he, he was, I don't think he was ever leatherface in America. Right. Obviously, a lot of people were tape traded and all that, but it's, it's uh-huh. just like oh it's fucking leatherface. Uh, Leatherface wrecks the timekeeper's table scaring Chad Saft and I'm sure Frank Tallant was used to that by now uh-huh. um, apparently Chad Shaft did not know that was going to happen uh, Benz <coughs> gets sick of I think I've, well, I've skipped everything here Jesus, um, they do they brawl, they give the crowd what they expect from this FW legend Leatherface throws a, a chair. chair that comes dangerously close to hitting a fan according to one reporter read online they brawl some bit, there's a what looks like a toothbrush with nails on it and stuff like that. They do what they have to. Uh, Raven keeps on ordering Benz to set stuff up, like a table that gets used on the outside. Eventually, Benz gets sick of Raven abusing him and turns on him with a stunner, allowing Leatherface to hit a nail-assisted leg drop for the win. Uh, Crowd does not react at all. Leatherface seems pissed at this and tells Raven to throw him through the table in the corner. It bends, so then Raven launches Benz through it, and then Leatherface leaves leaves the area while stroking his bat like a dick to the fans. Uh. And you can vaguely hear Frank Talent saying something to the commentary booth that he can make out It's saying, I was told there'd be no blood on the show. (laughs) (laughs) And it keeps on going on. Raven DETs Benz after the match, then immediately gets on the microphone and goes, I'm really sorry, Benz, that was an accident. (laughs) Then picks him up again, apologizes. Then gives him another. (laughs) Raven insults the crowd for a bit. Tells a long convoluted joke about a frog uh, going to the bank and goes to leave and then goes, well, I'll do some more. Tells some more jokes and then eventually leaves and says, uh, well, I'll do some signings after this. It's a very weird end. And then it's about to ask someone, I think it's Big Mac Smack what they thought of the show and they say several lines of, well, it was something. And that's how it goes <laughs> up the air. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, the Different than or better than your competitors, and this right. was definitely different than what did you think?
0: Um, I knew that, uh, okay, so blood was supposed to not happen for so whatever you heard, you heard that right.
1: Oh, okay, great.
0: Okay, so with on top of the fa- that on top of like that, it already was like things had already not been going well, uh, Leatherface picked up a chair and like threw it into the audience which automatically sent the hairs on everybody's back straight up like oh we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be effed on this you know what i mean we're you know we're gonna wind up paying for this somehow like like hopefully he didn't hurt anybody like like so i think it was like it was all pretty scary but uh, i was thinking If you throw if you throw Nikki onto a table and it doesn't break, does it? Nikki bends. Hey,
1: Hey. Nikki bends. Probably wanted to tell that joke immediately afterwards, but you have to sell to keep the business alive, I guess.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I know, like (laughs) Raven, whatever he was doing on the mic, I remember it being ungood. I remember the match being not anything amazing, not a main event match. Uh I think the idea behind it was Raven wasn't in any of those companies, any of those companies that were running at the arena, and no one had seen Leatherface against anyone in this area. So we were like, "Oh, okay. So def- definitely something that might draw, might draw people's attention, might draw tape traders' attention, might draw uh my draw something something like I. Um, Raven was just In the WWE a couple years before that right mm. uh, Yeah he left uh, 03 it's got a Okay name. so it was uh, It was uh, <laughs> It was Something as Max Mack would say <laughs> It happened it for it, sure Happened it, it
1: definitely Like, like uh, George Foreman beat Michael Moore It happened it happened uh,
0: uh, The The, uh, the 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 title of the show, the beginning, was given to the show by Mike Burns. Scott never called it that. I never called it that. No one ever said that. Smart Mark Video was like, "Yep, that's what we're calling it." You should have called it the beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> right. <laughs> <on the show. laughs> it starts. There's the middle, and then it's over. <laughs> yeah. Uh...
1: I mean, they should have just kept up the make it even more annoying and people call it like Wicked Hanuman presents Genesis.
0: <laughs>
1: like, let's all annoy everybody. Annoy everybody. Sega Genesis. The other reason why, I remember reading about it or thinking about it at the time and thinking, Wicked Hanuman, I'll Google this. And I, I'm actually talking and managed to find it because I forgot about this. Uh, I think a, a Hindu-based website um, <laughs> talked about this. With uh, an absurdly named product named Wicked Hanuman and then they copy paste the uh the, the description and it's like what is this? Okay, I'm not entirely clear what this is all about, most because my brain shuts off whenever I see the word wrestling. But <laughs> given everything we've read so far, why on earth would you name a product after a sweetly loyal Vanara? Are the stars of the video inquisitive, short, furry South Indian humanoids? Very doubtful. Is it it's also doubtful that anyone involved with this Charlie Foxtrot is either Hindu or knows anything about revered characters from the uh Ramayana, I think I got that right Some of you incorrectly think that I am all for mocking Hinduism But this is not true At best I find this ridiculous and at worst I'm offended Let me preemptively answer your question No I would not appreciate a wicked John the Baptist DVD <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't advocate violence or otherwise behave in a way Which threatens the possibility of getting my point across But I think calmly expressed disagreement Is more than called for in situations like this I wish people could be sensitive and respectful of all regions. I think tolerance is a matter of courtesy versus a granola idea. But you're up in there. So that idea, I'm emailing less than smart Mark to let them know what I think. I know that within minutes you're gonna let me know what you think via the comments. And it's people going, "What the fuck is this?"
0: <laughs> um, I I would like to, since since it's all a buzz, I'd like to publicly apologize for my involvement <laughs> in. Uh, I did not mean to. Uh, I, I I clearly did not make anything off of it. I made no money. I did not mean to exploit this. Uh, this Hanuman is not wicked in any way, and I want to say sorry about that.
1: I think you, when you blow this, you're gonna put Wiki Hanuman in brackets. I'm really sorry.
0: <laughs> Hanuman
1: is actually a nice person. In <laughs> oh man. Uh- <laughs>
0: Wicked John the Baptist though I mean I would have fucking I yeah, would have I mean, tickets for that I mean the, I, I, don't, I don't know I don't know uh, I don't know the, the intentions of John the Baptist Maybe he was wicked, who knows
1: <laughs> So we have been speaking For about two hours, Corey Yeah, You're Very uh, opinionated I've lots to say, which is fantastic for a podcast But don't take up too much of your time What were you about to say? Sorry, I've just seen your hand gestures Oh, I was going to say Let's
0: at this point, hot dog and handshake. I'll send you home. After this, uh, I just want to say, if you could, if if I could say hypothetically, I've gifted you this show, and it's your show now. You're the host. Go ahead and go ahead and ask me anything you'd like to ask me. And then uh, one more thing, and then hot dog and handshake, and you can roll off into the sunset.
1: Deal. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know, you've answered so many questions I had on my little list here So I'll just make up something off the top of my head Mm. What did you learn From this show If you were going to I'll say this in a better way If you were going to do a show now Year of Our Lord 2020 What did this show teach you
0: If anything. I, I would say probably, uh, really, really be careful about who you let have power on things and who you like and communication. Everybody needs to know everything that they need to know. People don't need to know more than they need to know or less than they need to know. You need to find out the exact amount of things that people need to know and make sure it's communicated to them. So. Communication, probably. Don't overpromise anything. Never overpromise anything. And also, if if you see a lot of people are doing something over here, go do something over here, maybe, with anything. Don't be like everybody else. Be something different. Not only be something different over there, be somewhere different away from over there. Because... <laughs> Like, one, one town, one building, one territory can only take so much wrestling. I mean, I, this isn't a wrestling podcast, I must say. If you've listened to any other episodes, which I know you said you didn't, I never talk about wrestling this much. This is a completely special occasion. Very special edition of Evolving with Corey Castle. Um, I, I definitely wanted us to like co- collaborate in some way. Cause I know, I know I wanted you to come on the wrestling podcast with me and Rick Fleinberg <laughs> on wrestle rock. No. Uh, but I know we, we couldn't get it. We couldn't get it together. Something happened, but either way, I'm super glad we did this and I had a lot, a lot of fun. And I hope we can do some more of this some other time. That's not generally focused on one thing. Cause I'd like to mm. kind of like talk about you and your life and things like that and jump into your life lessons. That sounds very nice, Corey. I'll put
1: on mind. I like to listen to dumb stuff when I'm doing other things. So, uh, dumb stuff, yeah. That's very flattering, isn't it? But you want know oh, to put on your dumbass Indian.
0: podcast? Yeah, <laughs> or pop on one of your dumbass episodes of your dumbass podcast. Yeah, but you know, we're going with no expectations
1: of be like, wow, Corey isn't dumb. This is actually really interesting. You know. <laughs> She goes, yeah. my my fucking podcast is so amazing. You, you know, your dick will grow longer just listening to it. I'm like, wow, great, great Corey. But your expectations that low. Um, if you start <laughs> in the basement, you can only go to the first floor. You know,
0: I, I I have to say another thing I've learned through through uh, reflection yeah. is a tremendous deal of humility. You got you gotta you gotta mess up sometimes so you can learn how to react when things go badly. You learn things about yourself when you mess up. When you do bad, you learn how to be better. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's something I learned through this. This was a, a huge experience because I had my expectations. I, You know, with everything, you got to manage your expectations. You got to – I just said this on the last episode of the podcast. You got to redefine what your idea of the next level is because if, if you're not fit, to be on that next level reevaluate what your actual next level is so if if i go oh why doesn't anyone ever call me to do this but then if someone does call me to do it and i'm bad at it i can't bitch that no one's calling me you know what i'm saying like i got to i got to change things about me and like take things less personally cuz i for sure wasn't ready for somebody to be like dude you suck you suck I wasn't ready for someone to be like Hey do you think you're actually even ready for this Because I for sure wasn't And like I said I was only five years Into the whole Corey Castle thing And I probably should have Changed my name after that Embarrassing performance But well,
1: I think we could all Learn a lot from that You're right uh, I like to point out I don't have a, a raging Hard-on for mistakes uh, the fun Because that is what life is like That's what like Beg your pardon I'm very tired It's fucking half a living my time It's what life is about You're supposed to make mistakes It's about You make mistakes You learn from them Like the great Rocky quote It's not about how many times you win It's about how many times you get Knocked down And get back up again So Yeah Right He said it better than me But that's why he's got Fucking Academy Awards And <laughs> You're right Wicked Hanuman Was not a success But it was fantastically not a success and we're still <laughs> talking about it.
0: It's and the room at least it's yeah, like everybody. The room.
1: Right, right, right. Exactly. Everybody I spoke to RSP, Chad Shaft, MLJ, um, they all went, oh wicked Hanuman. Fucking great. You know, it's there is something intrinsically lovely about when a wrestling show especially it's the ultimate embodiment of people trying, people wanting to be better than they are. For one night, the rest of the, the, the week, they're fucking John Smith. They're working in a garage. They're getting shit from people. That For maybe an hour or so, maybe even shorter than that, they'll get to be, you know, big dick mischief on a show with lots of screaming fans. So when there's so much pressure on it being the end-all be-all, wicked Hanuman mania, and it doesn't come off, it's a shared sense of failure that's bringing people together. I think that could be quite as beautiful as things going well.
0: I mean, but if I look back on it now, I go like, "Oh man, I forgot that some of those people were there. Some of those people, some of those people involved with it, still some of the people that I love the most." And I mean, honestly, like Nate Hatred, Nate Hatred, uh, he he taught me a lot about my life. I think Nate Hatred. Being on that show, uh, I have to always give tribute to Nate all the time. Um, I have to, you know, same, same with like, uh, it's it's hard to think of like a show. <laughs> it's so I, I blocked that out of my memory for so long that I forgot that like Nick Burke was in it and Eddie Valentine and John Dahmer and like, oh, and, and Danny, like uh, Danny Havoc and uh, all these names. And uh, like, I totally forgot about how much those people were all kind of dear to me. And I felt like perhaps I damaged my reputation. And whoops, I didn't really have one yet. Anyway, my reputation more stands with who I am now and what I do with the time I've got left. So that's why I call the show Evolving, because I can always get better. I always strive to be a better version of who I am. Fantastic.
1: I think you've got the money line there. You got the hot dog and the handshake line. I'm not lying. I'm very tired.
0: Yes. Yeah, dude, so it's late you. For you. We're, you're in a different country. What? Um, any, anytime you want to hang out or next, I mean, if you want to get back on here, if you come back to the States and want to hang, absolutely hit me up. Uh, this has been a pleasure. I'm super glad I got to feel like I was important or something for some reason. I appreciate it. I'll oh, bless you. <laughs> Thank you, pal.
1: I'll, you know, do what you like with this. Uh, Thinking about it, I now work for a company called um, WrestleJoy, who do talk about like positive bits. But I might try and use bits of this and not realize, wait, I'm actually doing networking now. DMing Russell's like, what do you remember about this show? (laughs) I might put something towards them and submit it with, uh, obviously, you as a source and everything like that.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, I'll
1: put that in the pipeline where I've got other stuff to be doing. But I'll let you know how that goes, Corey. But until then, uh, pleasure speaking with you finally after all these years and months of me. You're sending me very polite messages again. I hope that wasn't intended as rude. Sometimes there's just a lot going on, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck wrestling for a bit. I I
0: have to say, I have to say, I send a lot of DMs to a lot of people, and I get blown off a lot. So I'm not used. I mean, I'm not used to. I'm not used to getting my feelings hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I get anybody who blows me off. I'm like, I've been blown off by bigger. I don't. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I I don't take it personally. I love it. I love what you do. I think Bachmania is great, and we were making a documentary. Uh, me and me and my brother-in-law were making a documentary. Uh, it had a bunch of names in it, and in every one of the docu- every one of the documentary interviews, we asked them what they thought about Bachmania. Oh! But the documentary unfortunately got shelved. You might not ever see it. But uh, I I've been giving you high praise for probably the entire time you've been doing this. So. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate that. Like, you, you really you found a niche for yourself and you found an audience. You found like where your value is. And I really appreciate your value. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad
1: that you have found your value as well uh, with your, uh, the podcast, the things you do, and the outlook you have. And uh, all I have to say to you is namaste.
0: Appreciate it. Be appreciate fun. It. Have safe. Oh, wait. Also, I want to make sure I have to say if this is the first time you're checking out Evolving with Corey Castle and this is the first episode, the episode is 206. Go back and check out the other two (laughs) hundred five episodes of the show. Maybe hit subscribe. You'll get a new episode every Monday on iTunes and Spotify. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe leave a comment in the YouTube or follow the YouTube page. Tell your friends about it. This might be a fun, interesting interview for you. If you call it an interview, I don't know. I call it a, a hang sesh. But if this is fun for you, it's fun for me. Yeah. Be fun. And have safe. Good, good, Matthew. And what's the Twitter? Where can we find this? On Twitter, you're M A F F E W. No,
1: no, no. You, you unplug it. You, you, oh, that me. was me doing the dumb thing.
0: And where, what's the
1: Twitter for the
0: Corey Castle? Oh check me out on Twitter at Corey Castle, C O R Y K A S T L E and on everything else at Corey Castle. And dude, honestly, I, I have to say this cause I always say it to everybody, but if you feel like you need a friend and you feel like you have no resources, you need some judgment free conversation. Absolutely. Let me be that resource for you. I'm not a hard person to get a hold of. I can answer any of your questions. I can, I can't say I'm going to give you the right answers, but I will give you my answers. And, uh, You know, I think I have a level of life experience and some expertise in pro wrestling.
1: Fantastic. Corey, it's been a pleasure. I'm going now. I'm going to literally fall asleep on my desk.
0: All right. Be fun. Have safe. Be fun. Have
1: safe. All right. Take care, brother. Take care, man.